Hey, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles with you or you have your phone app, uh, no, Dad wants to talk to me, Cully. We'll, we'll work out a deal. <laughs> uh, all right, y'all turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke is in the New Testament. It's the third gospel. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, again, if you hit Revelation, you've gone way, 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 way too far. So turn back a couple pages, uh, but stop before you hit Proverbs or Psalms. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So recap in the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about the Bible is Jesus' story. It's all about Jesus. Uh, last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus wants you and me to be a part of of his story. And so he pulls us into that story and gives us a purpose and a plan in his mission. So this week we're going to sidestep a little bit because it is Holy Week. This is the week leading up to Easter. Uh, we're going to jump ahead in the story. So we talked about Jesus has always been there and we talked about the prophecies before he came. Uh, we're going to jump straight into his ministry this week and next week we'll kind of rewind it back a little bit uh, and talk uh, more about Jesus's birth and shout out Casey. We'll talk a little bit about Christmas as well next week. Week. Uh, but this week being Easter and Holy Week, we're going to jump in where Jesus is already here uh, and we're going to talk about why he wants you to be a part of his mission and his story. So we talked about the Bible is Jesus' story. Last week we talked about he wants you as a part of his story. And then this week we're going to talk about, well, why does he want me in his story? So turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, we're going to cover a huge chunk of scripture tonight. Uh, but I know it's a story most of you, if not all of you, have heard um, before. It is the story of the prodigal son. Uh, so verse 11 through 32 in Luke chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 11, we're going to go ahead and read the whole story uh, and then dive right in. It says, Jesus continued. Now this is Jesus talking. He is telling the story. He's telling parables to the people as he's uh, traveling around the countryside. Uh, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son, uh, the, the younger son that ran away, he had an older brother. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And he said, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he is back safe and sound. Now the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never given me even a young goat 
so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property, squandered your wealth with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. And my son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was once lost, but is now found. Man, I know that's a big old chunk of scripture, but like I said, I know a lot of y'all have seen uh, or heard the story of the prodigal son before. Um, and so you're kind of wondering, like, what in the world? Why does that have anything to do with Easter? Why aren't we talking about uh, like Jesus and, and the cross and all this? And so a little backstory. Jesus is teaching this parable. Jesus is teaching this story to the people in the countryside as he is on his way to the cross. You know, the the Passover festival in the Jewish custom, everybody from all over the countries would come to Jerusalem to celebrate this Holy Week, this Passover festival, Passover feast. And so this is what Jesus was doing. He was headed to Jerusalem, uh, teaching and healing on his way. If you want to think about it really and truly, this was kind of like Jesus's death march. He was heading to Jerusalem to put in place everything that was going to lead up to the cross and to his resurrection. So he knows what's coming. The farther every step he takes, the farther he goes, he knows what's happening when he gets there. Uh, but he's still out in the countryside sharing what the kingdom of God is, sharing why he is there uh, and why his sacrifice may happen. So he shares the story, what his mission is on the way to Jerusalem at the time. So he's, this is taking place as he's headed to Holy Week, Passover, Easter Sunday. It all It is all leading up to this point. Uh, but I want us to look at both of the different sons tonight uh, because I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of truth uh, in these uh, as we look at why Jesus came, why uh, why he wants us to be a part of his story. Um, so what we have here, we have two different sons. Uh, we have one that's super rebellious, uh, that doesn't want to take orders, doesn't want to obey uh, what he's being told to do. And then the other who is super submissive to his father, who is uh, obeying what his father has commanded, uh, doing what his family expects of him. Um, so let's look at the first son first. Uh, first son first. Oh, interesting. Uh, so anyway, so the son comes up one day. He decides he doesn't want to be home anymore. He's like, I'm tired of being stuck at home. Can anyone here relate? Anybody else, you know, give me a give me a wave in the comments. Anybody else being tired of being stuck at home? I am. Uh, I know I'm like, I'm dying to get out of this house and like go do something. Like I went, I mowed my lawn yesterday just for, just for the heck of it. Like I just wanted to get out of the house and do something. And it was oddly therapeutic. But uh, anyway, so I know y'all can relate being stuck at home, but he was stuck at home and he didn't want any responsibility. He didn't want any accountability in his life. Uh, and so he decides he's missing out. He's missing out on all the things that the world has to offer. And so he says, you know what? I'm tired of being at home. Uh, I'm just going to take everything that's mine, everything that's rightfully mine, and I'm going to leave. I want to go experience everything that the world has to offer. I want to experience wealth and power. I want to experience parties. I want to have no responsibilities. I want to do my own thing and not take orders from anybody. I want to go wherever and do whatever I want to do without any accountability. Um, and as we can see in the story, not everything goes according to plan, right? You know, so he walks up to his father, says, hey, I want half of everything you own because it is technically mine anyway. It's my inheritance. So give me half of everything, all of your bank accounts. Give me half of what's in it. And so what does the father do? He says, okay, 
here's here's half of everything I own and gives it to the son. And like I said, he goes out, he throws parties, he makes new friends, he uh, he squanders and wastes all of the money that his father given him half of what his family owned. I would like to think that his family owned this huge farm and had servants. So they were probably fairly wealthy. So him taking half was a lot. And what did he do? He squandered it. He wasted it. He essentially just threw it in the trash can uh, on all these parties and all these things that didn't matter. Uh, and as, like I said, story didn't go according to plan. You know, what happens? Well, it says there's a famine in the land. If you don't know what a famine is, it's basically like a drought for food. You know what a drought is? Like when it doesn't rain and the ground gets really hot and dried up and like wildfires are a problem and all those things. Well, a famine is basically a food drought where food kind of dries up, like sources of food are no longer as, uh, you know, no longer as present as they would be in a normal in a normal year. That could be because the crops died out or there may have been a drought. And so the crops didn't grow like they were supposed to, uh, or the people just ate way too much of the food and didn't plan accordingly. And so there was this huge famine in the land. And what happens? The sun runs out of money. He runs out of food. And I also think it's interesting that he also runs out of friends. When that money and that food and all those parties run out, all of the people that he thought he knew, all these friends that he had made, they ran out too. They went off and did their own thing and left him to fend for himself. Uh, and so as he's sitting there, he's like, I don't know what to do. And so he goes and finds this pig farmer and is like, hey, make me one of your servants, pay me and feed me and I'll feed the pigs, expecting the guy to give him food. And at least I have a job so I can find food. And so as he's out in the field feeding the pigs, it says in the story above that we just read, like he he still didn't have any food. He longed to even eat the nasty trash and slop that they were feeding all of these pigs because he had nothing else to eat. He was starving. And so in a moment of desperation, he remembers, oh, wait, my dad, my family, they're back home. I bet, I, you know, I bet they're slaves and they're servants. I bet, man, they've got a place to lay their head. I know because I was in charge of most of them. I, I, they've got a place to lay their head. I know they have food. Let me go home. Let me beg my father uh, for a place as a slave or as a servant to work in the fields and earn my keep. I know I can't go back and apologize and be be his son again, but let me go back. At least maybe then I would have some food. And so what happens next? He goes back. He runs home to his father to ask for forgiveness and ask to be a slave. And what happens in a moment of true love, a, man, a moment of unconditional love happens, the unconditional love a father has for his son. What happens? His father sees him coming and he freaks out and rejoices. He runs up to him. He embraces him. He gives him a huge hug. He kisses him on the face. He yells at the servants and says, hey, everybody, guess what? My son is home. Go get the best clothes that you have. Go get that nice new pair of Air Jordan Force, you know, Air Force Ones or Air Jordan Retro Ice Blue, whatever that is, or go get go get the coolest Adidas jacket you can find. Go get the fattened calf. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a huge barbecue luau. We're going to do everything in celebration because my son has come home. Fattened calf. If you want to think about a fattened calf, you drive by a barbecue place and you can smell like it's like, man, I bet they're cooking something really good in there. It's usually a fattened calf. Random, random side note. That's probably not true, but that's kind of the thing. The fattened calf was like the best prime cut of meat that they could have made. So him grabbing the nicest clothes and the nicest food to celebrate his son. 
that came home. It's just that's incredible, incredible picture of unconditional love. Um, now, I'm a father. Most of y'all know that I'm a father of a two year old who's literally bouncing off the walls right now, who is stir crazy to no end. She wants to run outside. She wants to play. Uh, she, you know, anytime I sit down on the couch to watch TV, she's like, dad, dad, come on. And like literally pulling my arm to get up off the couch. She's just, she's ready to get out of the house. She misses, uh, being out in the world. And, uh, and because she's getting crazy, uh, she's also getting a little more defiant and, uh, and even just like an hour and a half ago, uh, my wife was telling me she was actually taking crayons and drawing all over our table, uh, drawing crayons on our nice kitchen table. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, stop. And I was like, well, take the crayons away from her. Like snatch all the crayons up, get all the coloring paper out, like get her away from the table. Don't let her do that. Like Nat Riley, what are you doing? Not Natalie. Riley, what are you doing? Quit. Like every time she grabs a bag of markers or colored pencils, I've been like freaking out the last two weeks because I know at some point I'm going to start seeing Riley colored on the walls and it's it's like tripping me out to no end. Uh, and But every time she does something like that, I freak out. I'm like, Riley, stop, stop. What are you doing? You can't do that. You can't do that. And I'll snatch the nar- uh, the nar- the markers away. I'll, I'll snatch them away from her. I'm like, you can't, you can't color on the walls. What you, that's not good. That's not bad. That's bad. You can't do those things, and I freak out about it. But I want you to notice what the father does in this story. Does he freak out when his son comes home? No. He doesn't even mention what the son did. You know, remember, the son basically disowned his family. He didn't, like, color on the kitchen table with crayons like Riley. He literally disowned his family and took half of what they owned, half of their bank accounts, half of their stocks, half of their Xbox video game collection. took it all with him and squandered it and wasted it all away, lost everything. But the father never mentions that. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't say, man, how dare you come back here? I'm so disappointed in who you are and who you turned out to be. He doesn't say, get out of here. I'm not even going to make you a slave. No. What does he do? He wraps his arms around him and he says, my son was was dead and now he's alive. I didn't even know where you were. We didn't know if you were alive or dead, but you're home. I missed you. Get everything. Get him clothes. Get him the best barbecue brisket you could ever possibly eat. My son is home. Now, Man, if that's not unconditional love, I don't know what is. And I can only hope to be half as good towards Riley as this guy was to his son in the moment. And remember this is going to come back into play. That's the way God loves us as a good father. He loves us just like the father loved his son in this story. Uh, now let's also look real quick at the second son. Um, the second son was obedient. He stayed home. He didn't take his family's wealth and run away. He stayed and worked the family farm. You know, he was obedient to his father. He continued to build up what the other brother kind of essentially tore down and took away from. Uh, but when he sees his brother coming back, what happens? Does he get excited? Does he rejoice? No, he becomes bitter. He was the son that did the right thing. He respected his father. He followed the rules. He did what his father expected him to do. He was working hard for his family, and he didn't get a party. Like, Dad, what are you doing? Like, you're throwing a party and giving the best clothes and shoes and rings and best barbecue and all these other things, the fat and calf. You're giving all these things to the son that literally betrayed you and squandered everything that you, half of everything you owned. Why are you throwing him a party? You didn't throw me a party. What are you doing? 
I didn't get a pat on the back. Where's my celebration? But I love, I love, uh, again, like dad goals. If you, you know, like dad bod, dad jokes, dad goals right here on this story. I love the ending when the father comforts his son who stayed. He says, don't be bitter, be happy, be excited. Your brother was dead. We thought he was lost. We thought we had lost him forever, but he, he was lost to us. But now he is found. He tells the brother not to be upset. He said, you have to understand how incredible this is. We literally thought he was dead and we would never see him again. And now he's home. You bet I'm going to throw him a party because I'm excited. But I think we need to remember he didn't just throw a party for the son that he lost and embrace the son that had run away and was now home. He also embraced the son that did everything he was supposed to. He did embrace the son that thought he was walking the path he was supposed to, but was still upset, but was still bitter, still didn't understand. He was still hurting. The son that left and came back was hurting and was broken. The son that stayed was hurting and broken as well. And the father recognized that. He knew the son that had come home needed a father to love him. And the son that stayed, he also knew that that son needed a father to guide him. And so the last couple of weeks, we've, I've continued to ask the question. My wife tells me all the time, I repeat myself over and over and over, and I tend to ramble on in moments like this. But I've continued to ask the question on purpose. Is like, why does any of this matter? Why does the story of, of the prodigal son matter to me? Why, why does this matter with Jesus and his message? Uh, well, the prodigal son story illustrates exactly the reason that Jesus came to the earth. You know, the Bible says that the Bible is Jesus' story and he places us in the story. So why? Why why does he place us in the stories? Because he loves us. As a father, he loves us and he cares for us. It says, you know, as he's still going to Jerusalem, uh, in, in just a couple chapters later in Luke 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He tells all the people around him listening, Hey, I came to save everyone. I came because y'all need a father and a savior who's going to love you and care for you. And so why does he want us to be a part of his story? Because he came to save us all. He came to save the one who left and runs away and wants to do everything that the world has to offer and chase after all of the things that aren't God. But he also came to save the one who stays at home and is obedient and goes to church and does all the right things and still just doesn't understand why. Why am I doing this? Why do I have to go to church? What does all this mean? Why is all this? What is all this? Does God even love me? Yes, he does. He's come for every single one of us. And so as we go through this week, why we're talking about this on the week of Easter, because we need to understand the, the events of this week happened because Jesus loves you and because Jesus came so that you could be a part of his story because he wants you to be in his story. So as we go through this week, looking at his uh, entry into Jerusalem um, on Palm Sunday to the, the Last Supper on Thursday, to the, uh, to the events of the cross on Friday, the, the day in between on Saturday of despair, thinking that all hope was lost, and then the, the moment on Sunday when the tomb is empty. Why does any of this matter? It matters and it's beautiful because of God's passion and His purpose and His love for each and every one of us. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to bring the dead son 
and make him alive again, the dead son or daughter, and bring you back to life. And so whether you're on the run or whether you're staying at home and being obedient, Jesus is here and wants you to be a part of his story. He's here for all of us. He's come to save us. That's why it matters. That's why I keep saying it over and over the last couple of weeks. Jesus wants nothing more for you to accept his salvation. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose again, because he wants you to accept that salvation. He wants to redeem you, redeem your eternity. He wants to spend eternity with you. And the only way that we can do that is by accepting his salvation. And I know I know a lot of y'all have done that. And I, and I think, honestly, I think there's some of us in our group that probably still need to do that. If you haven't accepted Christ, man, now is the time. Do not let another day pass by. Do not let another moment pass you by. Don't let another Easter pass you by without knowing the full love and grace and power that you have when you come to accept Christ as your Savior.